Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance guests on the Goodyear Hotline. Aaron Rodgers, LeBron James, Mike Trout, superstars headlining the show today. That should be pretty good. Plus draft analysis, good poll question. And to my astonishment, people took my side in a debate yesterday. All that and more. Let's go. Here we go. Only one place to start. I would always be Mr. Rogers' neighbor. I am a child of the Mr. Rogers generation. I grew up watching Fred Rogers and his show Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood on PBS, and I loved it, and I will love Fred Rogers all my life. But the question is about a different Mr. Rogers today. Which neighborhood will Mr. Rogers call home next? Of that, we are not certain. But I will give you right off the bat the two spots I think are the likeliest. Right now, if I had to bet on this, and I will turn to my VP of gambling, hashtag Hembo, do we have odds on Aaron Rodgers' next stop? Stand by. Okay, you get those while I tell you the two places I think are the likeliest destinations. First of all, anyone talking about New Orleans, anyone, just take your mind out of the NFC. The Green Bay Packers are less likely to trade Aaron Rodgers to an NFC team, I believe, than, they, than Jordan Love is to be the MVP of the league this coming season. There is no way in the world they trade him within the conference. So that leaves 16 teams on the other side of the ledger. I will tell you the two that seem likeliest are Denver and Las Vegas. Let's start with this. The three California teams are set. And some of them are in the NFC anyway. The Rams, the 49ers, he's not going to either of those. And the Chargers are one of the few teams that wouldn't trade for Aaron Rodgers. They're all set. They got Justin Herbert. He's on a rookie contract. They're just happy. Aaron Rodgers wants West. He's not going to Seattle. Again, that's NFC. And they like running the football. He doesn't like that. The more I think about it, the more I like the idea of Las Vegas. Those two, by the way, that I've just named are the two favorites that we have on the board after the Packers. According to these odds, which I just got, are these Caesars? These are, this is DraftKings. This is DraftKings. Tells us that Packer, the Packers are minus 125 for it to be his next location. I'm telling you right now, and Rob Domofsky told us on this show yesterday, 5% chance of that. 5%. Much better chance that he is somewhere else. They've got the Broncos at plus 200 and the Raiders at plus 500. I could see either of those. I would right now handicap those two as the likeliest destinations. The likeliest outcome is that when we get around to the second Sunday in September, this coming fall, so we're not that far away. What is that, June, July, August? That's four months from now. Aaron Rodgers will be the starting quarterback for either the Denver Broncos or the Las Vegas Raiders. Just allow that to sort of roll around in your head. It's unfathomable, but it's true. You know, with Brady, when it happened a year ago, we had a whole year of it coming. Like, you kind of knew it was coming. So when Jeff Darlington broke live on our TV show on Get Up, yep, he's leaving, and then broke live on our TV show. He's going to Tampa. It didn't come with that same feeling of shock. It obviously was equally seismic, historically probably even more significant considering he won six Super Bowls in New England. But this one comes so quickly. It looked like things had calmed down. 
But I can tell you that I was hearing them. So you know the insiders were that this stuff was kind of percolating beneath the surface. And everything was being kind of swept under the rug because of jeopardy and everything else. But we should have known. I'm mad at myself. Actually, I'm mad at you, Nuno, the producer of this show. You're the one who should have said to me, you know, when he went on the Pat McAfee show and he said, I threw a monkey wrench into their plans by playing so well, we should have known then this thing was going to blow up. It just happened sooner than we thought. So our one place to start, which is brought to you by 1-800-Flowers, is where I believe Aaron Rodgers is going next. And to me, it's either Denver or Las Vegas. Rich Eisen said yesterday, is it personal or is it business? It's both. I heard he'd happily go to Denver because they've got the weapons. He doesn't care that it's in Mahomes' division. He would actually love to personally beat Mahomes. He would love to send Mahomes to the wild card every single year. This is what I've been told. I love that, and I agree with it. You think Aaron Rodgers is worried about Patrick Mahomes? Do you know how you don't get to be Aaron Rodgers? By being worried about Patrick Mahomes or anybody. Aaron Rodgers was Patrick Mahomes before Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes. Aaron Rodgers doesn't fear Mahomes. He doesn't fear Herbert. He doesn't fear Josh Allen. He doesn't fear anything. That's why he's Aaron Rodgers. So I believe Aaron Rodgers winds up on an AFC contender. And I would add this to the mix. Any team is a contender with Aaron Rodgers on it. All this talk about the great job the Packers have done putting players around him. You put an average quarterback on that Packer team with that lousy defense, one receiver, and a good offensive line? You're telling me that team is all of a sudden is, is, is sniffing 13-3? and three. That team is what it is because of Aaron Rodgers. Quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers put everybody's kids in private school. Everybody's kids go to private school because they played with Aaron Rodgers and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. That's what those guys do. They elevate teams. You take, you take Aaron Rodgers off that team. Who is the definition of an average quarterback in the NFL right now? Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. You make Andy Dalton the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers this coming season, they will be under 500. Under 500, I would bet you anything you want on that. That's how good Rodgers is. Don't tell me how good the Packers are around him. He's Aaron Rodgers. Any team he goes to becomes great. So I will say we don't know where he's going. We do know when it's going to happen. Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. Not until June 1st. So if you're Mark Murphy, you're the president of the Green Bay Packers, you have until then to try to salvage this. The unsolicited advice is do whatever you have to because they have, make no mistake, they have bungled this, they have mangled this. And oh, by the way, the idea that this is the same as what happened with Brett Favre is just flat out wrong. All these people who are telling you, well, this is how Rodgers got in the league. They drafted him when they had Favre. Hold everything. Do you not remember Brett Favre talking about retirement every single year? Do you not remember the helicopters flying over his house in Mississippi? Do you not remember the old bit we did on Mike and Mike where Joaquin was in the helicopter flying over Brett Favre's house in Hattiesburg, Mississippi? That was Favre threatening to retire. They needed a quarterback then. They didn't now. They decided to turn Rodgers into a bridge, and he said, shove it. That's exactly what happened. And then they decided, we're going to be in charge of the timing here. And Aaron Rodgers said, no, you're not. Who do you think I am? Who do you think you're talking to? You're going to decide when you're done with me? I'm going to decide when I'm done with you. 
That's what people like Aaron Rodgers do. And I, for one, have zero issue with it. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. So there's a lot there. We're going to get to it as we continue. But I, I just think it is worth pointing out one more time. This franchise has underachieved. Dramatically underachieved. Don't tell me what a model franchise the Green Bay Packers have been. The Patriots have been a model franchise. The Steelers have been a model franchise. The Green Bay Packers have had a first ballot Hall of Fame quarterback starting for them every year since 1992. They've won two Super Bowls. Been to three. That's not enough. Not even close. That is under organizational underachievement. It is simple is that you ask these questions greenies question of the day all right i got a poll question up there today you can go to my twitter page at espn greenie if you want to jump in on that we'll have a little fun with it the afc east is so loaded with young quarterbacks right now it's ridiculous josh allen is 24 uh, uh zach wilson is 21 tua tungavailoa is 23 mac jones is 22 their ages are ridiculous the question is five years from now which team in that division will have the best quarterback? On my Twitter page, at ESPN Greeny, right now, Josh Allen is running away and hiding, and it feels like a very obvious pick. Obviously, right now, he's by far the best. But the question is, I'm old enough to remember when people were tanking for Tua. Zach Wilson was just drafted higher than Josh Allen was, and Mac Jones just had the best season in college football history. So I don't think this is as easy a question as it seems to be interpreted by many. One way or another, you can go to my Twitter page, at ESPN Greeny, cast your vote. Who do you believe is going to be the best quarterback there in five years? We have great draft analysis coming up. We got interesting stuff on and about LeBron. We got Mike Trout today. We are absolutely jammed. Greeny, the podcast. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. All right, Granny with you here, rolling along. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. My guests, including Matt Miller, my draft analyst, will join me live in 30 seconds on the Goodyear Hotline. I can't find anywhere to put this. I've got like a little... Can I, can I have don't a, drink it. No. I, I, what do you mean drinking I thought it? you were offering me a sip. No. This I'm going to take a sip of anything. This looks kind of good. No. Give it back to me. 
Okay. I would, I would rather, I would rather it be on camera inappropriately than have you touch it any further. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, what was I saying? Matt Miller live in 30 seconds after this moment for some straight talk. Sure, saving money feels good, but cutting your wireless bill in half that feels really good. Like walk off home run in the ninth kind of good. With Straight Talk, you can get 25 gigs of high-speed data for 45 bucks a month, up to 50% less than the other guys, plus no contract, all on America's best networks. Why pay a whole lot when you can pay half? Straight Talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. My draft analyst, Matt Miller, joins me here as we look back further on, on what was a really interesting weekend. Hello again, Matt Miller. Hey, Green. Good to talk to you again. You don't strike me as a germy guy. Like, does that? I mean, obviously, in the in the wake of the, um, uh, as we live here in this pandemic, that has taken on an entirely different meaning. But if someone were to take a sip of something and then hand it to you, would you take a sip of it? If it were my children, yes. Uh, anyone else? I don't know. I've definitely been that guy where a buddy gets like a bourbon at the bar and he's like, "Hey, try this if you like it," and I'll take it. I'll try that, you know. But so maybe I'm not very germy. I think you're right. I've never been that guy, which is to say I've never had a bourbon. Uh, anyway, let's, <laughs> let's... We can change that. We can change that. Let's, let, me, let me ask you a quick question. I've got this poll question up on my Twitter page at ESPN Greeny, and I think people are interpreting it as a very easy answer, and maybe it is. But I, we looked in the meeting before Get Up today at the four quarterbacks in the AFC East right now. Josh Allen is 24. Mac Jones is 22. Tua mm-hmm. is 23. And Zach Wilson is 21. They're so young, it's, it's amazing. Five years from now, which would you bet is going to be the best quarterback in the division? Not today, five years from now. Yeah, I voted on this poll, actually. I voted for Josh Allen. I think the one thing, and maybe I'm like hedging my bet here, he's the proven commodity of the group. And I liked Tua a lot coming out of the draft. I liked Zach Wilson. I liked Mac Jones. The reality is in five years, these four quarterbacks probably won't all be in this division still. I mean, look at the 2018 draft class. You know, Sam Darnold's already moved on. Josh Rosen, I think, is a 49er at this point. Like, and, and that's only been three years. And so I, I think Josh Allen is the, the, the safe bet, the obvious bet. But, man, the Bills are just doing a great job of building around him. You know, what they did in the draft in 2020, what they did in basically buying and drafting an offensive line for him, trading for Stephon Diggs. And now they're putting that hyper focus on the defense to make sure that he doesn't have to go score 40 or 45 points a game. I think Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott have a plan and they're executing that plan. And we're, we're already seeing like stage two or three of it. They were in the AFC championship game last year and it should only be better, you know, next year with more, more consistency in the passing game with, with more time to gel and acclimate. So I, I think Josh Allen's the, the right pick here. I, I agree with everything you just said. And he, pro- he probably is the obvious pick and 74% of the people who voted on my poll see it that way. But I, I think that Josh Allen is the best organizational success story in the sport mm. because I remember the yeah. question marks that he came in with. And what they did was they developed him at exactly the right pace. They gave him just the right amount and then kept adding and adding and adding to the plate. And to your point, putting the right pieces around him. More young quarterbacks in the NFL, Matt, in my view, are ruined than developed. And he is the best example right now of a quarterback who was developed exactly right. Oh, without a doubt. He's the blueprint. And I think you can even look at Cleveland and what they did last year with Baker Mayfield to where that might be another organization where you say, oh, my gosh, they figured it out. And it, it's not hard, right? What did Cleveland do? They signed Jack Conklin. They drafted Jedrick Wills. They already had good wide receivers. They brought in Austin Hooper to go with David Njoku and a, a good tight end group already. They had Nick Chubb, but they 
made it really a low-key move in signing Kareem Hunt, obviously coming off some off-field issues, but they got a value there, and he was a huge part of their success last year. So I think Buffalo and Cleveland are doing a great job. I think the team to watch moving forward is going to be Baltimore. They bring in Rashad Bateman. They are finally giving Lamar Jackson the help that he needs, and we'll see if Alejandro Villanueva, right tackle, who they just picked up, can bridge that gap until they get someone else in there. But I think there are some teams in the AFC who – kind of have this thing figured out right now of how to build around their quarterback after so many years of us watching teams draft a quarterback in the top 10. He doesn't play well year one or year two, so they move on instead of really trying to build around him. I mean, did the Chicago Bears really try to help Mitchell Trubisky? Did the New York Jets really try to help Sam Darnold? You can put some of that blame on those quarterbacks. They deserve some of it. But I also think those organizations at some point threw in the towel on their player instead of really trying to build around them. Well, it's 100% right. Matt Miller is with me on the Goodyear hotline, helping you discover the road ahead. Goodyear more driven. I think it's a part of it, Matt, is the unintended consequence of the rookie salary cap, which is to say that at whatever point, the let's just use the Jets first. At whatever point the Jets decided Sam Darnold might not be their future, they figured out the best thing they could do was move on to another quarterback. So they were they were disinclined to try to take whatever steps it would be to try and fix it, to try and solve the problem because they were better off starting the clock over again. And I guess in Chicago, yeah. it's the same thing. They just never believed, for whatever reason, the coach never believed in Trubisky. I still can't believe that the coach gets a second chance <laughs> to start over with another quarterback, but whatever, good for him, and we'll see what he does with Fields. But I think you make an excellent point. In both cases, those teams, as soon as they had that doubt, they decided their best bet was to start over with someone new and start that clock again. And the Rams have done the same thing, although not starting the clock again. They actually, you know, d- didn't, uh, you know, see the the big decline in quarterback pay. But as soon as, you know, as soon as a backup quarterback comes in and throws the ball deep, Sean McVay's like, oh man, I'm in trouble. You know, like we paid Jared Goff all this money and we built the superstar defense to support him, and I'm now in love with the backup quarterback. And so you you find that thing that you you know that shiny new toy. And I, I think that's a lot of the, the NFL. I've, I've heard this phrase used a lot this offseason, that teams have personnel ADD. They don't really know what they want. They just know they want something different. And so that's why we see the Raiders really never have a plan. They're just constantly chasing after what John Gruden wants, even though I don't know that John knows what he wants at this point. And so I think the hope, in, and especially you know for you personally, like the New York Jets, I think Joe Douglas has a plan. I think he knows not only what type of culture he wants, but like what type of team he wants to get – Makai Becton last year and uh, Elijah Barrett Tucker this year, even Elijah Moore is in that vein of like, that's just a tough dude playing football. Even though he's a wide receiver, he's not that big. That is a tough dude. And so that's what I love about the draft, especially days two and three, is you can start to see the identity of these front offices a little bit. And when you see a team that has a plan and is executing it, it's pretty exciting. I com- I completely agree with you, actually. And I, I was very complimentary of their draft yesterday. I thought they did a great job. Quickly, because I know I need to let you run. Of every team in the NFL, who's drafted? You can give me two or three if you want to. Who do you think did the best over the weekend? Yeah, I'm picking Carolina. And I, I, I hear that that's a dark horse pick, but I love it. I think the Panthers walked out of this draft with six potential starters. So J.C. Horn's going to start. Terrace Marshall's going to start. Tommy Trimble was probably my favorite player in the entire draft from an upside perspective. I mean, Brady Christensen could start at left tackle. They drafted a long snapper. You know he's going to start. So I I think the Panthers just did a great job for Scott Fitterer's first draft, for uh, Matt Rule's second draft. They did a great job. You know, the Jets are obviously up there. Washington, Cleveland, 
we, we saw teams that maybe aren't traditionally strong drafters have a really good three days. And how about the other side? Which, which, which teams left you scratching your head? The Raiders always do. I mean, and I know like now everybody's trying to like, you know, hindsight, oh, someone would have drafted Leatherwood in the first round, maybe, but not at 17. You could have traded back a couple spots. Do what Minnesota did. They traded back, still got Christian Darisol. So I didn't love what the Raiders did. I thought Dallas had a strong start and then just fell apart. It's like Jerry wanted to get on the yacht, didn't want to draft anymore. <laughs> they just started picking names out of a hat, on, especially in the third round. Getting Jabril Cox in the fourth could, could maybe redeem that, but I really didn't understand what Dallas's mindset was with reaching for so many defenders in the third round. Well, you did an absolutely terrific job with this thing. We, we welcome you. You joined us here sort of in the middle of this process, and I'm looking forward to continuing to work with you on this thing going forward. I, I really leaned on you a lot uh, as I was getting ready for this. I appreciate all the help that you gave me. Thank you very much, and I will talk to you soon. You got it, Greeny. Thanks, buddy. All right, that's Matt Miller, who does a really good job. His, his Twitter handle is at NFL Draft Scout, and he's got really good stuff. Why are you laughing like that? I was reminded when we signed him on to work with us, like something like, I don't know, two months ago or so, I remember reading the press release, and he said as a kid, his teacher asked him what he wanted to be when he grew up, and he answered Mel Kuyper Jr. That's how long Mel has been doing this, and that's what Matt Miller told his teacher years ago. That's fascinating. I will say, when we hired him two months ago, mm-hmm. I thought he was Matt Millen, and I was thrown <laughs> off by this completely, and I had the hardest time not calling him Matt Millen. Remember that? I kept calling him Matt Millen that by happened. accident. That's it happened. Uh, I think I did it once on the air. Then I think I called him Mark one time on the air. So I, I had a little adjustment issue with Matt Miller, but he's very good. Uh, very, very good. I recommend him as a follow if you're interested in draft stuff. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Settle in with host Nate Brolson and guests Justin Fields, Najee Harris, and Jamar Chase in the new Progressive YouTube series Up All Night. We're replacing fluff questions with fluffy pillows to get to what's real. Watch every episode of Up All Night exclusively on youtube.com slash progressive. I'm sorry, what? I'm sorry, what? What? I'm sorry. What? I'm sorry. What? All right. So, so LeBron said it, and and I think it's in case you haven't heard it, it's worth saying again. You know, the Lakers, through all their injuries, have fallen into a place where they may wind up in the NBA's play-in tournament, which is not an idea that they just came up with 15 minutes ago. It's been the rule all year long, um, and it's something they came up with and talked about at the bubble and everything else. And now the Lakers have fallen into a place because of injury, or they might wind up in that. Now they won a big game last night. But on Sunday, LeBron said, "We end up at six or fifth or, or or whatever the case may be, or if we end up in the you know the playoff, uh, whatever that thing is. Whoever came up with that sh- uh, need to be fired. Um, but whatever." Okay, so whoever came up with that needs to be fired. And Frank Isola, who's covered basketball for uh, for forever, had a very good tweet on this when he wrote, "Great thing about player empowerment is you never held accountable." like agreeing to a play-in tournament and calling for someone to be fired because of it. And the bottom line of it is this. Look, I love LeBron James, and I also, he does not fall into the category of guys who load manage because he does not. He's been hurt this year, and hurt is hurt. That happens, and he's genuinely injured. When he's not been injured, he has played basically entire seasons every year. So I have no qualms whatsoever with him from a load management standpoint. But the reason for the play-in tournament is because the players, the stars of the NBA, have rendered the regular season meaningless. That is the reason. That is why Adam Silver had to do this. Adam Silver is a brilliant guy. Spend 10 minutes with Adam Silver, 
And you'll walk away and you'll say, oh, okay, I just met someone smarter than I am. He's that obviously smart. And Adam Silver saw a problem. I've been yelling and screaming about this on the radio for years. The problem is I didn't know how to solve it. He had a good idea. And that is make these games matter much more than they do. I used to say that we don't do enough for playoff seating. So I would say this. I used to say when it's a best of seven, give the team that has the better record in the regular season a bigger advantage. Make it five home games versus two home games, something like that. A one-game home court advantage is just not enough of an incentive. If one team wins 64 regular season games and finishes first, and the team they're playing finishes eighth, and they won 39 regular season games, and that team wins game one on the road, they have home court advantage. The whole season never happened. So you need to find ways to make this matter. And to their credit, NBA players used to act like it did. They used to take it seriously. And I don't mean 50 years ago. I mean 10 years ago. NBA players used to act like the NBA regular season mattered, like these games mattered. And they started taking them off willy-nilly because they need rest. And they have uh, sleep specialists who are telling them, well, you know, you will be at greater maximum peak effort if you don't play this one game. Oh, who cares? Everyone would be at greater peak effort if they didn't play. The games are scheduled. Play them for crying out loud. So the point is, if you're not going to do it because of your sense of professionalism, they're going to make you do it. They're going to give you a reason to do it. And so the play-in tournament is a great idea, and it's working. Because all these teams are playing games. That game last night between the Lakers and the Nuggets was important, really important, because the Lakers are trying to stay out of the play-in. It's exactly what they wanted it to be. So it is serving its purpose exactly. So for people who are all of a sudden complaining about it, oh, this is a terrible idea. It's only the teams that wind up maybe being in it. The San Diego Padres might win 100 games this year, and they'll wind up playing Jacob DeGrom in a one-game-for-your-life play-in at the end of the season. They're not going to like that either. But you know what? It means the race in the NL West will matter all season long. It'll matter who wins that division and who doesn't. The regular season is supposed to matter. These games are supposed to matter. And so it is 100% right. The play-in tournament is doing what it's supposed to do, and they need more of it, not less. We are 90% through the season, and only six teams have been eliminated from playoff contention. And these teams that might be in that playoff thing, they're fighting for each other. These games matter at the end of the season. That's the point. That's the whole reason they have this thing in the first place. It's a great idea, and the way people are talking about it frustrates me no end. I'd love to hear what you think about it on Twitter. We can talk about it further. But right now, i got to give a green light here. I'm ready to go right now. Green light with Greeny. As I told you, there were three superstars dominating the conversation today. We've been to Aaron Rodgers, we've been to LeBron James, and now we're going to Mike Trout. For that, I bring in hashtag Hembo, my vice president of all things baseball analytics. What is the one thing, Hembo, that absolutely everyone needs to know about Mike Trout? Greeny, every time that Mike Trout plays a game that we don't watch, we are missing out on immortality. Right now, he's the best player I've ever seen. The league is batting 233. Mike Trout is batting 410. That's how much better he is right now than everyone else. He has come to the plate 101 times so far this season and has made 49 outs. If you're doing the math from home, yes. He is more likely to reach base than he is to make an out in a season that is going to be remembered as the year of the pitcher 2.0, much like 1968. I went back and looked today. In 1968, Willie McCovey was the best hitter in baseball. 
he hit 290. He hit 290 that season. If Mike Trout can even come close, if he can approximate this for the rest of the season, if he can be 80% this good, Mike Trout is going to have this season probably a top 10 season of all time and will probably be the sort of crowning achievement of his 20s. He has made 49 outs and 101 plate appearances, as you said. So his on-base is 515. (laughs) He has already produced more value by war than he did all of last season. And we are May 4th. Oh, May 4th. Yes, May the 4th be with you. It's May 4th. In one month, he has produced two war all by himself. By baseball standards, that means that if, if we were just to sort of extrapolate this out through the rest of the season, he's going to be worth between like 10 and 15 wins all by himself, which in baseball, as you well know, is extraordinarily rare. That's like Barry Bonds 20 years ago. And we know, obviously all know what was in play then. So the point that we're making here is Mike Trout is having... One of the greatest seasons of all time. Mm-hmm. Don't just take his numbers. Take them in context. Take them in the context of what the, what the offensive numbers around the sport look like right now. He is playing better than he ever has before. He looks, he's just unbelievable. And there's never been in the history of baseball a harder time to hit than this year. Right That's now, the, the average game includes 15 hits. It is, the, it is on pace to be the fewest in a season in the history of baseball, which dates to 1870. And Mike Trout is hitting 410. He's hitting 410. His on base is 515. <laughs> we, we, are, we are living through, we are living in the midst of one of the genuinely great seasons in baseball history. If you are not paying attention to it, shame on you. That's Mike Trout, and that's what he is doing. Coming up next, five quarterbacks that were drafted. I can tell you which one is in the best position and which one is in the worst position by far. Greeny, the podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. I'm Greeny. I'm brought to you by 303 Products, Premium Protectants, and Cleaners. Keep your car looking like new longer. My poll question is up on Twitter. Again, I don't think this is quite as obvious as I guess it is. Look, look 74%. I asked the question five years from now, who will be the best quarterback in the AFC East? 74%. Of the people who've responded here, what have I got? 27,000 votes. Just put it up about 6 o'clock this morning. 74% say Josh Allen, 9% Mac Jones, 9% Tua, 8% Zach Wilson. It's sort of a good way of kicking off the topic I wanted to get to here, which is 
which of these quarterbacks land in the best positions and which ones land in the worst? Because it's easy to say you want to be the first pick. Everyone wants to be the first pick because, A, there is the most money in it. And they're slotted now. But, B, as obviously there's all the prestige of being the number one pick in the draft. But when you're picked number one, you go to a team that was 1-15 last year. And Zach Wilson was picked number two and the Jets were 2-14 and last year. And, you know, Mac Jones goes 15 to a Patriot team that feels like they were Mac Jones away from maybe being a Super Bowl contender. So the questions are, which ones landed in the best places and the worst places? In order to set up what I think about Justin Fields, let me play something from David Kaplan, the Catman, as he is known in Chicago, from ESPN 1000. He was on KJZ this morning, and he was talking about the impact that the drafting of Justin Fields will have on the embattled coach and general manager. I think they already bought themselves another year. I do. I think George McCaskey does not want to fire these guys. He likes them a lot. They're both really good dudes. They just haven't had a ton of success. But I truly believe by drafting a young quarterback last night, like not getting Kellen Mond in the second or third round, they push their chips in and go, we're getting that guy. And he he may not play all next year. What are you going to do, fire those guys? And now bring another regime in? No chance. Those guys are not going anywhere. So that's a really interesting thing. And that's a guy who's been around forever. He was covering sports in Chicago when I was there in the 90s. So he he is as connected as absolutely anybody in town. So that, I think, is really the key question. If Justin Fields doesn't have to play well to save his coach's job, then I think he winds up in a pretty good place. Because at the end of the day, Matt Nagy, the much maligned Matt Nagy, who I have maligned as much as anyone, who did an absolutely terrible job with Mitch Trubisky, did come to Chicago because he is supposed to be one of the quarterback gurus. He came from the Andy Reid quarterback guru school. He was there with the Mahomes and the Alex Smith. And if that is the model they're going to follow, then Fields winds up, I think, in a pretty good place. I know Chicago has historically been terrible for quarterbacks, but that that just that, too much of that has to be the law of averages. I mean, it's 101 years. They're going to get it right. And that team, we talk about them sometimes like they were 3-13. and 13. That team made the playoffs last year. The defense is really good. If they are going to bring him along at whatever pace suits him best, then I think he winds up in a good spot. If they're going to bring him in there, rush him in because they need to justify the pick or justify themselves or save their jobs, then he is in the nonsense before he gets a chance. And then he's in the worst position. So that, to me, is the decider. Is Justin Fields in the worst spot? If those guys try to use him to save their job, he's in the worst position of all of them. I think Mac Jones is in the best. Mac Jones has been drafted by the greatest coach of all time. Don't let last year fool you. Is Bill Belichick perfect? No. But he's the greatest football coach that ever lived. And his offensive coordinator knows what he's doing. And they are all in on this season. He shows up with a team that is ready. They get all those opt-outs back. They spent all of that money. They have good players on that team. Excellent coaching. I think Mac Jones is set up. I think Mac Jones is in an excellent position to succeed. The other three, it's it's huge question marks. Trevor Lawrence, who knows? He's a generational prospect. Urban Meyer is one of the greatest college coaches of all time, but we have no idea how Urban will transition to the NFL, and thus we don't know from Lawrence either. 
They had a good draft and they had free agent money to spend, but they did lose 15 straight games last year. So let's see how that goes. I don't know how that losing, I don't know how Urban will handle that. Do you remember how he looked on the sidelines in close games at the end at Ohio State? How do you think he's going to handle a four-game losing streak in the NFL? I don't know. I don't know how to expect that to go. Trey Lance, I think, winds up in an excellent situation because of the coaching. I also believe he is one who will be best served if they let Garoppolo play, and then we will see. Use the Mahomes method. I think if they do that, it'll work out great. I'm all of a sudden hearing people talk about him starting immediately. Obviously, if he's ready for that, that's fine. But that would not be my inclination. And that leaves Zach Wilson. And with Zach Wilson, look, the Jets are a bunch of unknowns at the end of the day. The head coach is a complete, there's there's just no way to know. Everybody loves him. The offensive coordinator, everybody loves the system. He's he's from the LaFleur tree. He is actually a LaFleur. So he runs a system that quarterbacks all want to play in. They did have a very good draft. They did spend some free agent money. Their offensive line should be much better. Their weapons should be much better. They drafted a running back. So the kid should have a chance. He's got dazzling arm talent. But look, it is very hard to have great faith that the Jets are going to get everything right because it has been a very long time that they have been getting everything wrong. So if you're asking me, who do I think lands in the best situation? It's Mac Jones. Who lands in the worst situation? It better not be Justin Fields. They better not put him in a situation where he winds up being the buffer trying to save the coach's job because it's hard enough to be a rookie quarterback in the NFL. I just hope that doesn't wind up being the way it plays out for him. Coming up, two Hall of Famers in counting taking shots at Aaron Rodgers. Of that, we are certain. The question is, are they right? And the answer, as usual, is nuanced. And I know it. And you'll hear it next. Greeny, the podcast. 